Another Realm Media, exploring the unknown, where mystery meets reality. Are you fascinated by the unexplained? Do you love delving into the mysteries of the paranormal or how we respond to media that pushes us to the limit of our understanding? Do you love to dive headfirst into the exploration of the human psyche with meditations or channeled messages from beyond? Join our podcast network, Another Realm Media, and explore the unknown with us. From ghosts to aliens, cryptids to conspiracy theories, or to sci-fi, we've got it all. Don't miss out on the excitement. Join us today and unlock the secrets of the universe. Email us at contact at anotherrealmmedia.com. Get a tarot or oracle deck each month, a pagan or mind-opening book each month, an ugly mug essential oil candle each month, or one of each. Subscription boxes by Lemurian Books. Go to liberateurmind.com today and use code TCE for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another awesome sauce, fantastic, marvelous, spectacular episode of the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, joined as always by my luxurious, uh, he's got the best hair in the market, uh, Mr. Josh Rutledge. Uh, yeah, best hair money can buy right there. No, I'm, I, it's all my, it's all natural. Also, all of those little, you know, adjectives you used in the beginning, I feel like now I have to deliver. Like we have to deliver now. That I can't help it, man. That's the way I feel about it. So, but how are we you will, guys uh, doing? We will to, we'll deliver. We'll good deliver. to see everybody coming back or hear everybody coming back, depending on if you're listening to us on, uh, you know, on Spotify or Apple, or if you're watching us on YouTube. Either way, good to have you. Uh, we got a fantastic episode for you tonight. Like I said, we are going to be breaking open the convergence files once again. Uh, but this time we're going to be talking about one that uh, was given to us to take a look into quite a while back by the mysterious Terry wrist, uh, Mount Shasta. We're going to be talking about yeah. Mount Shasta tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, uh, really glad to get into this one. It was amazing to research. Um, I myself have like just a really strong connection to the area, even though I've never been, uh, it's right. on my, it's on my uh, bucket list, so to speak. Although I hope I get there long before I have to think about my bucket. Um, <laughs> You'll get to hang but, out with our good friend Olaf. Yeah, he lives right. up near there. Right. So. so yeah, it's just uh, it's a really it's just a really cool place, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. So and uh, this is not where they make Shasta Cola. No, this is not. I found that out by doing a little research myself. So it's a little disappointed uh, by that. They, I think they sell it there though. They they might if they don't. It's a missed opportunity. A missed opportunity, right? So. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm excited, man. Uh, wrapping up the year this year, getting close. I'm uh, for those that didn't know, I'm moving back to Kentucky, um, so I'm leaving the desert to head back to the foothills of Ohio Valley uh, to go back there to be with some family and and get my spooky on with Keith Age and and all those good guys and uh, have some fun with that. Josh is going to hold down the fort here in Phoenix, uh, so I'm getting ready to move here shortly. Uh, actually, probably by the time this is aired, I'll probably already be there. Yep. Uh, by the way, I'm changing the word fort to be spelled PH so that it matches Phoenix, just so we're clear. 
<laughs> All right, done. <laughs> so anyways, oh. before we crack open the convergence files, Josh, let's get in to our psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word of the week. All right, psychic word of the week. This time I flipped the pages. <clears throat> Excuse me, sir. I flipped the pages and I landed on page 231. Of course, this comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by the... Uh, the eminent June G. Bletzer, PhD, rest in peace, honey bear. We love you. We miss you. We still have never met you. I have to point Supposedly. out. Supposedly. I have to point out it adds up to six. You know, it's still a good number. Three, six, nine. That's a Tesla's <laughs> numbers, right? There we go. That's right. <clears throat> so the uh, the word that grabbed my, uh, the phrase here was fifth dimension and not the band from the 70s. I, so. I didn't know there was a band from the 70s called fifth oh, dimension. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go look that up. Oh, yeah, man. They're great. They're is great. It, they did. Is it rock? Um, is it punk? Is it, what is it? Uh, it's like folk rock they they oh. did like um this is the dawning of the age stop. of Aquarius. We're, gonna get, we're gonna get we're gonna get copyright stop you gotta stop so they they did a cover of seconds. that hair musical song okay. um it's one of the most popular versions of it um but yeah they're 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 an interesting group uh anyways, anyways. Uh, so here's here's what fifth dimension says here in the book uh says in uh, parentheses esoteric First definition, a faster rate of vibration than Earth that makes a transparent plane running through the Earth plane and throughout the atmosphere. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Second one, principles, the fact of designs, patterns, and plans for all which takes shape and place on the physical plane. A level of consciousness where plans, original design, and individuality set up radiations that send forth rays with tremendous force behind them, holding the plans, design, and individuality in manifestation where plans come into being. Okay. It's almost like the secret. I've never read it, but sure. But you know the the basic behind. I know the, the basis behind it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's basically that where those plans and designs come into being. So yep. um, that's what I think, anyways. Uh, episode three, uh, known as the mental or mind plane, mind of the universe, containing myriads of designs, prototypes, life forms, activity, and plans before physical Earth. Ooh. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, number four. Uh, interpenetrates the other planes vibrational frequencies but exists independently finally number five artists and composers receive inspirational thought and work from this plane huh so i wonder if for the last one if that's where the muses lived like the greek muses yeah like melopony and things like that maybe and calliope um, also i know I, I think i know why it probably says esoteric in parens in the beginning and that's because, you know, in math and science, there's also a fifth dimension. And so it's making the distinguishment that this is not the math, the same as the right. math science fifth dimension, which is, let's see, forest time is fifth space, I think. Is that, I think that's what it is. I, You're I asking the wrong Some, person. Somebody comment if I'm completely wrong on that. Um, but <laughs> if, if fifth dimension in math and science is space, and fifth dimension here is the construct of our physical existence then really there's a lot of relationship there between the mathematical fifth dimension and the esoteric fifth dimension 
And uh, listen, I thought the fourth dimension, 4D, was smells and getting water sprayed in your face. Because that's what it was at Disney. Well, 5D is the little uh, things you stare at and you got to make your eyes all wonky. And then there's No, like... that's just 3D. That's no, just it's 3D. 5D. That's 5D. That's 3D. No, it takes time 3D. to get there. That's fourth. You got to go through ah, the fourth shut dimension. Up. And then shut it's up. And then it's an image in abstract space that makes it the fifth dimension wrong it's 6d <laughs> are you familiar with 60 like 60s nuts <laughs> ah, ah, ah. you got me there sir you got me there ah, all right all right josh let's get cracking let's crack and open in these convergence files what makes mount shasta uh so convergency uh for us what are we looking at aliens are we looking at sasquatch ghosts like what do we got so to take a line out of your book, yes and. Ooh. All right. So uh, just like we did with the Superstition Mountains, I do want to start off looking at kind of the geology and geography of the area because there may be some commonalities there. I mean, we looked at one set of mountains and here's another kind of mountain, right? Mountainous mm -hmm. area that, you know, there may be some sort of commonality there. And so I think it's important to look at and explore what that could be. So from a geological perspective, which by the way, I'd like to go back and I can't believe I didn't, I didn't catch this when I said it, but when I was talking about the superstition mountains in the last episode, I said something like it was 400 and something billion years old or something like it, 407 million years old. I have to go back and look at my research. So I said, that's only like 5 billion years younger than the age of the earth. So it is one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world. One of, one of. The other one we're going to talk about next episode. That's a little teaser for you guys. All right. So um, anyway, so the geological history of what's called the Cascade Range, which is what Mount Shasta is a part of. Um, it began not to be confused, not to be confused with the dishwasher detergent. Yep. Yep. I, I feel like. I feel like Cascade should make a dishwasher detergent called Shasta. I mean, I, like it's it's just right there. It they can't because the soda's already soda's no, got it already. But nobody's trademarked. but nobody's going to drink Shasta Cascade. Well, I don't know. People ate Tide Pods, so I take that back. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Common sense isn't always common. So. um Anyways, they began forming around 40 to 25 million years ago. And that's a pretty big range, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're humans and we're fallible. Um, as a report of, or as a result of tectonic activity, kind of along the western edge of North America. So, I mean, relatively speaking, as like the, the age of the Earth is 4.7 or something like that billion years old, uh, these are relatively young mountains uh, for the area. Uh, the activity was caused by the subduction of the Pacific Plate that's going I've, underneath. I've been, I've been subducted. Yeah. Well, I wonder, like, if abduction is the taking of, subduction is the giving back? Giving of? Giving of? I don't know. I need some geologist, geologist that might be listening to tell us. What the hell is a geologist? Uh, it's somebody who uh, does electrolysis for mountains. <laughs> anyways uh so anyways the growth of mount shasta volcano ooh, volcano uh mount shasta itself started forming 
as a stratovolcano approximately 593,000 years ago during the Pleistocene Epoch. Uh, the mountain is composed mainly of volcanic rock. Volcanic rock. I mean, I just cannot speak today. Mm-mm. Including basalt, uh, andesite, and dacite, um, which were erupted during different stages of its growth. So during the Pleistocene Epoch, Mount Shasta experienced multiple glacial, glacial advances and retreats. So these glaciers, you know, shaped landscape. You and I coming from, you know, the Kentucky, Indiana area, we know mm-hmm. all about glaciers because that's the, you always hear. That's why Indiana's flat, uh, because right. the, the glaciers just scraped everything away. So uh, glacial movement is a, is a big to do and help to shape uh, the Mount Shasta area. Uh, recent volcanoic activity has been, Mount Shasta has been relatively dormant for the past few thousand years and no known eruptions in recorded history. Uh, however, the volcano is considered to be potentially active. Ah, I was going to Eruptions ask. are possible. Yep. Interesting. Uh, there is some hydrothermal activity around Mount Shasta and the surrounding areas, which um, also helps like with hot springs. And that's why people go and sit in the hot springs for their rejuvenating, you oh, know, kind of, springs, uh, experience. And there's, there's I, also. I um, always go nude. Oh, oh yeah. What's, always. what's that? Wild hogs with uh oh yeah with John were, Travolta and were they yeah were they like what a random movie <laughs> it evolved hot springs like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how this brain works um see anyway. this is why you need more horror movies in your lexicon there's a ton no. of hot springs and horror movies no, I don't and I you don't do, have to bring up wild hogs no I could do without the horror movies I don't need them they do nothing <laughs> for me uh anyways uh last little bit is mud pots apparently there's like basically mud lots of infused mud people go and sit in the mud mm-hmm. like I, for your skin yeah but i i just don't know like it is that where mud butt comes from no that is no kentucky's where mud butt comes from because <laughs> of the humidity <laughs> anyways um and so uh of course the the geological history of the area is constantly being researched and discovered and they're finding new things all the time. Um, so geographically speaking, because it's a little bit different, um, there is some uh, forces of erosion, uh, including some of the rivers, the McLeod River, the Sacramento River, have cut through the landscape, creating these just beautiful valleys and canyons, erosion by wind, water, and ice, sculpted the terrain. Um, the uh, Mount Shasta area has been has influenced the development of a diverse ecosystem, uh, very uh, varying elevations, soil types. There's just all different types of vegetation there, forests, uh, uh, Douglas fir, pine, cedar. It's just a again, I've only seen it in pictures and it looks Mm -hmm. so inviting. Yeah, Uh, it's beautiful. I definitely have to go. I have to. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I, I will. I will. As Picard says, I will make it so. Um, you will do also, as Picard says, making it so. Right. I will complete his lifelong ambition by making to it go so. To, to go to Mount Shasta. He didn't say where to make it so or how to make <laughs> it so. He just said make it so. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. 
I felt like a little bit of Joe Pesci. Okay, okay, okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> and of course, there in more recent history, human activities have shaped the geography of the area with logging and agriculture and urban development, uh, recreational activities, and we'll get to it a little bit later, but a huge um, kind of uh, upspring of new age uh, type uh, endeavors in the area. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. So let's take a look at the cultural history of the area. So, of course, we have uh, some Native American presence, which, you know, I, I know that there's still a lot of theory being discussed as like how as far as how Native Americans came to the North, you know, to the Americas, Native Americans came to the to the Americas. One of the theories is they came across the Bering Strait, you know, uh, land bridge that was formed between what is now Russia and, Ala- and what is now Alaska. Um and so because of that, it would make sense. They would come down, you know, kind of through that northern area. And so uh, one of probably the older settlement locations would be uh, the northwest. So uh, they were inhabited by um, Native American tribes for thousands of years until white people showed up. And yay, white people. Yay. Um, anyways, we have uh, these are just some of them. We have the Wintu, uh, the Modoc, Shasta. Look at that. Um, and Karuk tribes are among the indigenous peoples who have called this region home. Uh, these tribes have a deep cultural connection to the land, incorporating the mountain into their myths, legends, and spiritual practices. Excellent. Um, then in the uh, mid-19th century, around the 1850s, we, of course, get the big gold rush in California. And, of course, uh, prospectors into the region... Uh, leading to all kinds of destruction. Yeah. Yay, white people. Um, <laughs> then they started to develop towns and communities. Uh, and the town of Mount Shasta, located at the base of the mountain, was established in the late 19th century. It served as a hub for logging, agriculture, and trade in the region. Um, from the late 19th century onwards, Mount Shasta gained popularity as a recreational destination. Its scenic beauty, including waterfalls, forests, and alpine meadows, attracted tourists and outdoor enthusiasts. Heck yeah. Uh, mountaineering and hiking became popular activities with climbers attempting to summit the mountain. Now, I love hiking. I love mountain climbing, but I like small mountain climbing. Um. Yeah. You're not going to be the, let me put chalk on my fingers and try to call, climb this no no i'm never going to climb like that i'm going to climb uh, a pre-made trail that goes up <laughs> if it's paved it's even better right oh yeah i wish uh, like my sister and i did the uh the second highest peak in phoenix which is sunrise or sunset peak i can't remember which which it is um, but we did that and it's it's high up. We got up to the top and we were like, we did it. And my sister's got a string of blood just coming from her nose because wow. the, the air was so thin. Was so thin. <laughs> yeah, that's something to laugh about. Um, so <laughs> anyways, the uh, yeah. So like if I go, uh, my hope and plan is to connect up with a group. Right. So there's groups that go out and they do kind mm-hmm. of these like spiritual awakening type things and that would be my thing they just yeah so they hike up to where it's still forested like if you get above where it's forested now you're getting into like the mountain mountain where it's like just rock from the rest right. of the way up so 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not a, uh, again, uh, relevant movie reference. I'm not a Star Trek, uh, you know, where, like, I don't have the rocket boots to keep me from. Yeah, what was that? The of, fifth one? Was that Star Trek five? Uh, I, I think, think it, it was. Is. Yeah, because that's when they're camping and Spock yeah. has to go find his brother and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry if I spoiled it for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so last little bit about culture here is we got some conservation in environmentalism um, in around uh, 1984. Uh, they, uh, the beauty and ecological integrity of the region led to establishment of the Mount Shasta wilderness, uh, protecting a significant portion of the mountain and its surrounding lands. So that's good. That's yeah, good. that's really we good. We don't want to, you know, we don't, we want nature to erode the mountain, not us. So. Right. Um, so anyways, now we get into probably the stuff you've been waiting for. Uh, spooky stuff. The spooky stuff. Yes. So bring it on. The lore and legends of the area. Uh, first off, one of my favorites. So loved it so much. and named the company my wife and I have after it. The Lemarian Connection. What? Yep. Really? Yep. Uh, so uh, it is believed that. Uh, after the fall of Lemuria, um, the last remaining peoples went to Telos, which is a city below Mount Shasta. Hmm. A subterranean yeah, I, knew, city. I knew there was some hollow earth stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, and so a, a lot of the spirituality stuff, a lot of the new agey stuff that, that goes, that happens in that area is kind of with that in mind. Uh, that makes with, sense because the man that claimed to be Terry Riss that we spoke with, a lot of his information dealt with Hollow Earth stuff. Yeah, very much so. And so that and makes I, sense. And I think you know, we did an episode, I think a uh, couple, maybe last year or something, talking about the differences between Hollow Earth and Inner Earth. Mm-hmm. And so if you all haven't seen that one, go check it out because uh, they're not the same. And so, like in the case of uh, Telos, it would be considered an Inner Earth. Uh, you know, a city as opposed to a hollow earth city. So if you want to know the difference between the two, check that episode out. I'll link it here if you're watching it on YouTube. Um, so then we've got some spiritual mystical significance. You know, Mount Shasta has a long regarded place of spiritual power. I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit with uh, the Native American tribes in the area. Um, but like I said, there's just uh, metaphysical groups uh, and spiritual seekers are really drawn to the mountain, believing it to be a sacred site and the center for spiritual awakening. I would dare to say you could probably call it the New Age Mecca, maybe more more so than Sedona. I think so. Hmm. I think so, especially because of that Lemurian connection. Hmm, interesting. I don't know. Maybe the two are equal. I don't know. Somebody else that's listening can let me know if I'm wrong. Well, maybe it's all a matter of opinion. So maybe it is. Maybe it is. Anyways, so um, next up, we have some Bigfoot and Sasquatch legends, which no surprise here. No, California yeah. is where Northwest. You know, I mean, it's where like OG yeah. Bigfoot Patty, where she got seen. So, yeah, and we're getting like Mount Shasta is near the border of, of uh, Oregon, Oregon, of Oregon. Yeah. Oregon, Oregon. I don't know which how you say it, but one you play, one's a rock. I think. <laughs> uh, if you play it as a rock band, does that meet both standards? I don't know. It does. Um, 
So yeah, uh, we'll get into a couple of those specific sightings uh, in a little bit. But that's just kind of the, the general lore of the area. We've got some Native American legends um, that kind of reference um, prominent figure, uh, stories of creation, heroes, and spiritual encounters. Uh, Matt Shasta holds cultural and spiritual significance in the mythology and cosmology of these tribes. And lastly, in kind of a generalized, we got strange phenomena and UFO sightings. Sweet. Uh, Mount Shasta has also become associated with claims of UFO sightings, extraterrestrial encounters, and other mysterious phenomena. Some believe that the mountain serves as a portal or landing site mm-hmm. for otherworldly beings attributing sightings and unexplained occurrences to these phenomena. Kind of like the Sandia Mountains in Albuquerque. Very much so. Very much so. Well, and it it would make sense if there's, you know, the city underground. So, yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about a little bit deeper into Telos, the Lemurians. Okay. Okay. So um, Lemuria is believed to be a lost continent or civilization that existed in ancient times. According to the legend, Lemuria was a highly advanced civilization with advanced technology, spiritual knowledge, and a deep connection to the natural world. However, cataclysmic events such as earthquakes or flooding have said to cause the subsequent submergence of Lemuria, resulting in its disappearance. So the subterranean city of Telos. Within the lore, it is believed that survivors of Lemuria found refuge within the Earth, establishing a subterranean city called Telos beneath Mount Shasta. Telos is said to be a vast underground complex inhabited by an advanced race of beings known as the Lemurians. These beings are often described as highly evolved spiritually, technologically advanced and living in harmony with nature. Very cool. Uh, According to the legend and the lore, the Lemurians of Telos continue to exist at present times, living in an enlightened society uh, within the subterranean city. Um, It is believed that they have preserved the knowledge and wisdom of their ancient civilization, including advanced healing techniques, energy work, and spiritual practices. Uh, They are said to be connected with the higher realms of consciousness and maintain a deep connection to the Earth's energy. Um, Another thing that I have have since discovered since I compiled all this research is that um, you've probably heard mention a lot of the... um, things around like Quetzalcoatl mm-hmm. bringing all of this advanced knowledge to uh, the peoples of, um, you know, uh, middle, uh, what's it called? Central America. Um, we've also heard, you know, kind of the same tales for the, the fish people, the Dogons that came out of the sea in Africa. So one theory is that these, all of these different uh, individuals were all like kind of like ambassadors or emissaries from Lemuria, from Telos, who were sent out to kind of restart the populations, if you will, hmm. because after the, you know, because obviously the amount of the amount of like energy it would have taken to sink a continent um, is significant. And so it had ripple effects around the world. So the Lemurians felt bad about it. So they sent out people to basically try to restart civilization. And so that's why so many of the descriptions of these saviors, other than the fish people, um, in Africa, the Dogons are very, <laughs> are very similar. Uh, yeah. Often, it reminds me of the flood story. 
that's, right. you know, that has roots in almost every culture around the world. Right. Exactly. So um, just another little anecdotal piece of information here to think about Lemuria and Telos. Um, and it would make sense that they would want to put their city underground. So if, you know, if you got sunk into the sea by an earthquake when you were on an island, probably don't start another civilization on an island. You know, right. Maybe go under a mountain. I don't know if I would have picked a volcano, but whatever. Right. Um, but well, anyway, maybe it would keep it warm. That's true. I mean, it a lot of hydrothermal dents or, or dents vents around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they make dents in the ground. That's how they. That's how they form. That's yeah, how, you know, I was using the right word. Anyways, um, so Mount Shasta is regarded as a sacred site. We've already kind of established that, um, and a gateway between dimensions, often associated with higher consciousness, spiritual awakening, and transformation. Uh, so if you're wondering about Lemuria, I think we actually did an episode about it, and I will go back and link that episode to this one as well on YouTube. Um, I don't think we did. I think we just covered it uh, as part of something else. Oh, well, then maybe that's next year. Maybe yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that next year, because I did as a part of this and cover a lot of Lemuria-type uh, information, but I think it's a little bit more than, than would deviate us away from Mount Shasta. Yeah. So. Uh, let's talk about some of the Native American tribes within around Mount Shasta area. So we've got, um, not tribes themselves, sorry, the, their belief systems. We have creation stories. Um, they considered the mountain to have a spiritual significance, believed to be a place of spiritual power where individuals can communicate with the spirits, seek vision quests, uh, or receive guidance. The mountain is often regarded as a source of wisdom, healing, and protection. Um, according to some Native American legends, Mount Shasta is guarded and protected by spiritual beings or powerful animal spirits. These guardians are believed to watch over the mountain and its surrounding lands, ensuring its sanctity and offering guidance to those who seek it. Um, Native American lore often includes stories of shapeshifters, um, uh, beings who can transform between human and animal forms. Mount Shasta is sometimes associated with these transformative uh, beings who are believed to possess spiritual powers and a deep connection to the natural world. Maybe Lumerians are shapeshifters because like Michael that- Jackson in the way you make me feel video when he turned into that black Jaguar. Sure. Black what Panther. An, what an obscure reference. If you know, you know, well, I mean, I can say the same thing about, you know, wild. No, nope, nobody's watching wild hogs. Josh. You crapped on that. Yeah. You crapped all over. <laughs> you gave me mud, butt. <laughs> so anyways um and then lastly the mount shasta has been um a sacred gathering place for native american tribes in the area it has been a site of ceremonies gatherings and spiritual rituals where tribes would come together to celebrate pray and honor their traditions um so let's look at a little bit of a native american origin story from mount shasta okay. So one story involves the Wintu tribe who are indigenous to the region. The Wintu people have a certain myth that includes a mountain as a significant elephant. Element, not elephant. <laughs> I was like, ooh, <laughs> elephants in North America, they woolly mammoths. Uh, here's a summary of the Wintu origin story. So we've got um, the Wintu tradition. In the beginning, there was only darkness and water. The world was filled with chaos and disorder. Darkness and water certainly explains a continent sinking into the ocean. Just going to throw that out there. The creator, and I am going to horribly pronounce this name, 
Apishitnikichi. I'll accept it. Okay. Uh, his name is mentioned. Sorry, their name is mentioned several other times um, throughout this, the telling. So I'm gonna just call him uh, Apshi. Apshi. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Decided to bring order and light to the world. He created the sun, the moon, the stars to illuminate the darkness and provided guidance to the people. As Apshi continued to shape the world, he created the mountains, the rivers, the forest, and the animals. One of the most important mountains he created was Mount Shasta. The mountain was said to be his home and the place where he would descend to interact with his people. Cool. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, Apshi is believed to have taught the Wintu people important skills and knowledge, including how to live in harmony with the natural world and the sacred rituals they needed to perform. He instructed the people on how to hunt, gather food, and use medicinal plants for healing. Very similar to the Quetzalcoatl, mm-hmm. Dogon, very similar. Very uh, interesting, Pally. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you sounded a little bit like uh, Homer Simpson there. <laughs> no, I, that was not Homer Simpson. But anyways, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> Mount Shasta is considered a sacred place where the Wintu people would hold similar ceremonies, offer prayers, and connect with Apshi. Um, the portal, I'm sorry, the mountain is regarded as a portal between the physical and spiritual realms, a place where the creator's president presence can be felt most strongly. Uh, let's talk about some ghosts. Yes. Ghosts, Bring it on. Ghosts in the area. Um, are ghosts in Mount Shasta called ghostas? Ghostas? No. No. They're right. just called uh, ghosts, Josh. Yeah, Somebody else asked me that question, and I, and I figured I would ask it on here. I don't know why I said it. I, you know, just. Um, all right. So the ghost of McLeod Hotel. In the town of McLeod, which is near Mount Shasta, guests and staff at the historic McLeod Hotel have reported encounters with a ghostly woman dressed in a Victorian era clothing. She's often seen in the hallways or sitting in the lobby, believed to be the spirit of a former guest or employee. Mm. Uh, the Haunted House of Weed. Yeah, Weed, California. In this nearby town of Weed, there are stories of a haunted house in South Davis Avenue. Residents and visitors have reported eerie sounds, disembodied voices, and the feeling of being watched. Some believe the house is haunted by the spirits of past residents. Um, a Phantom Hitchhiker. A common ghostly encounter reported on Highway 97, which runs near Mount Shasta, involves a phantom hitchhiker. Travelers have claimed to see a hitchhiker along the road, often dressed in old-fashioned clothing, who suddenly disappears when approached. Male or female, I guess. Probably it seems like it's male. Doesn't seem like a white lady tradition. No. Because usually, Um, you know, a lot of places have the, the white lady dressed in white, you know. Yeah, like she's standing on the side of the road. Right. Usually usually described as being like sad or mm-hmm. you know, distressed or something like that along. No, this this is just some dude. Yeah, this is this is just some guy who was this hitchhiking is, along. This is Archibald. And, you know, in, in all actuality, uh probably got hit by a car and now his spirit is kinda left repeating the same Or a carriage. He said old timey clothing. Yeah. Or, or a good horse. old, good old Archibald. Yep. Um, 
So then we have the uh, ghostly miner at Iron Mountain Mine. That sounds, um, that sounds like a ride at like Cedar Point or <laughs> Disney World or something. Yeah, you just gave me the idea. They're going to make that now. Um, <laughs> so the Iron Mountain Mine is located in the vicinity of Mount Shasta. It's said to be haunted by the spirit of a miner who died in a mining accident. Well, that's a good thing to die of in a mine, I guess. Um, I mean, it would be worse if he died of like malaria or something. But mm -hmm. um, visitors have reported hearing unexplained footsteps feeling cold spots and seeing apparitions resembling a minor mm. and that's m-i-n-e-r in case anybody was wondering oh not a minor <laughs> like, <laughs> that's dumb but i get you <laughs> it's a little kid yeah uh shadowy figures at castle crags state park now so catholic castle crags state park is located south of mount shasta has been the site of reported ghostly activity. Visitors have witnessed shadowy figures moving among the craggy rock formations and have felt a sense of unease or being watched. Um, I don't know if this is pronounced Eureka, but it's Y-R-E-K-A. It Eureka. is today. <laughs> uh, is a town near Mount Shasta. Uh, is home to the historic Eureka Theater, is believed to be haunted by a former actress who tragically died during a performance. Uh, witnesses have reported hearing footsteps, disembodied laughter, and seeing apparitions backstage. It was probably Macbeth. It's always Macbeth. Like, just tangent real quick. Do you think Lincoln hangs around Ford's Theater? Oh, yeah. There, there's, there are cases of people seeing him at Ford's Theater. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, wonder if anybody's ever done like a, a legit investigation there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Let us know if someone has. Uh, spirit in the Sison Museum. The Sison Museum in Mount Shasta has been a subject of ghostly encounters. Visitors and staff are reporting objects moving on their own, strange sounds, and the feeling of being touched by an unseen presence. I could use that. <laughs> Just. <laughs> That's going to be the next invention, ghost hands. Ghost hands. I just, I just need a ghost to play with my hair, please. Thank you. It's just, it's, it's just like it's an animatronic hand that just goes like this, and you just put it on your neck. It's yeah, I would, I would use it. <laughs> Anyways, um, so we got uh, Lake Siskiyui. Sure. Lake Suki Suki. It's S-I-S-K-I-Y-O-U. Siskiyui. Siskiyou? Siskiyou. Anyways, uh, reported um, seeing a misty figure walking along the shore or hearing whispers and laughter coming from empty areas near the lake. Uh, last little bit here is in the Mount Shasta Cemetery of all places convenient um, has been the report of paranormal activity. Witnesses have seen apparitions, unexplained voices and experienced feelings of unease while exploring the grounds. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cemetery. So, yeah. yeah you know, um, moving on to some unknown creatures. Yes. Cryptid time. Um, so we got, of course, we talked a little bit about Sasquatch and Bigfoot earlier. Earlier, I mean, there there has been a large, there's just a lot reported uh, in the area for Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings because 
of kind of the proximity, like you said, to Oregon and uh, Washington and just being that whole general area is just really covered in Bigfoot Sasquatch sightings. I yeah. read I read a summary that said that uh, somewhere around, you know, like 50 percent of the North American Sasquatch sightings come from that area of the country. So Wow. But then I also read a report that said that 50% of statistics are made up. So, <laughs> um, so shadow people near Mount Shasta. Mm. Uh, these beings describe dark silhouettes with human-like shapes that move quickly and disappear when approached. Uh, winged humanoids. Um, there have been a few reports of encounters with winged creatures resembling humanoids in Mount Shasta. Witnesses describe them as having humanoid body with wings similar to those of bats or birds. Mm. When you think about the description, too, of Mothman and you realize that he was originally described as having more bird-like wings yeah. than, like, you know, moth-like wings, um, he probably should be renamed to Birdman, but then everybody would have to redo, redo their merchandise. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, you know, there's also other tales across the West where various bird, large birds, that type of thing. So um, maybe there are large birds that are coming out of Mount Shasta. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe coming out from Telos. Maybe. Maybe they're riding on the large, large birds. I mean, yeah. who knows? We don't know. Maybe that's what UFOs are. They're just large. Birds. They're just large birds. That's what Neil deGrasse Tyson probably thinks. Probably does. <clears throat> Although he would probably discredit large birds too. So yeah. <laughs> um, lake monsters. Some accounts suggest the existence of lake monsters in nearby bodies of water, such as the Lake Sisusu that I couldn't pronounce before and I can't pronounce now. Witnesses claim to have seen large serpentine creatures with humps or coils moving through the water. Mm, lovely lady humps. Yep. Uh, lizard men. A few reports have emerged of encounters with humanoid reptilian creatures near Mount Shasta. Witnesses describe them as tall beings with reptile-like features, including mm. scaly skin and glowing eyes. That's creepy. I thought that was. I thought most of the lizard men were in the UK, in 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 royalty. <laughs> well, the some are in the White House too, apparently. But. Yeah, apparently. Um, and some also sing on concert tours, apparently. <laughs> um, so uh, shape-shifting incidents, we kind of already talked a little bit about in the Native American stuff, but, um, you know, they're mentioned here amongst the creatures as well. And then the last little bit is phantom beasts. Um, there have been claims of encountering phantom or ghostly animals near Mount Shasta. Witnesses report seeing spectral visions of familiar animals such as deer or wolves that exhibit ethereal qualities or disappear without a trace. Mm. Interesting. I mean, if you think about Mount Shasta potentially being this just really, I don't know, energetically elevated area, it would stand the reason that maybe you just see more there. Like, you know, right. it, it's kind of like... Um, well, I'll use your Jeep analogy that you've used a couple of times. You want to buy a Jeep, all of a sudden you start seeing Jeeps everywhere. If you move into a bigger city with a larger population of Jeeps, you're going to see them more often. So if you go to an area that is more energetically attuned to be able to see just odd things, it makes sense you would see them more often. Yeah, you call it almost like a vibrational viscosity. <laughs> but still, it must stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
be stealing my stuff off TikTok, man. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next, let's get into some UFO sightings. Finally. Yes. All right. So 1950, George Adamski. Yes, George Adamski. That's like the OG, uh, uh, not seeker. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Don't know what. Don't worry. Contactee. Contactee. Okay. Yep. He's the OG. Um, so this was actually during near Mount Pol- Palomar, which is really close to Mount Shasta. Uh, so it wasn't actually at Mount Shasta, but close by. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he met, you know, the human-like beings from Venus. So. Yep. I didn't realize that was close to Shasta. Yep. Well, and it's it's not on my list, but I thought of it today as I was getting ready for this episode. Uh, another really big area that's relatively close to the air to Mount Shasta is Mount Rainier. Yeah. It's where Arnold saw his stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just seems maybe the area is uh, is a little bit of a hotbed in the Northwest. So. Yep. Um, let's see the 1974 Mount Shasta city incident, several residents of Mount Shasta city reported seeing a large disc shaped UFO hovering over the city. Witnesses claimed that the object emitted bright lights and displayed unusual maneuvers before disappearing into the sky. Mm, So multiple people saw that. Yep. Yep. Um, 1982 Siskahuya. County signing. I'm just going to pronounce that word uh, differently every single time I say it. <laughs> that's going to be, become my thing. Multiple witnesses in Siskahaya County, including law enforcement officers, reported observing a triangle-shaped UFO hovering low in the sky. The object was described as silent and emitting multicolored lights before abruptly disappearing. Uh, 1987. Um, I'm going to give you all the words except for the name and you see if you can pick out the name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, claimed to have had worked as a government geologist, spoke about an alleged underground alien base near Mount Shasta. Uh, this person asserted that he had personal encounters with extraterrestrial beings while working on a construction project at the base. Bob Lazar. Phil Schneider. Oh, Phil Schneider. Oh, Phil Schneider. His story's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So there you they go. need to make a movie about Phil Schneider. I they would watch they that. do need to make a movie like Spielberg did a great job on his Netflix documentary. He covered some mm-hmm. great cases. Uh, Spielberg, if you're really interested in UFOs, make a movie about Phil Schneider. I mean, you got action. You got you yeah. got everything. If you guys don't know the story of Phil Schneider, check it out because it's crazy. Even what happened to him at the end of his life. Yeah. Um, there's there's a there was a dude involved that. Can I say ass hat on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. There's a dude involved as an ass hat. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, Phil Schneider, check that story out. The more you know. Bing 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 bing. Um, <laughs> In 1997, the Lake Siskahuaya incident, multiple witnesses camping near Lake Siskahaya reported seeing a large triangular shaped craft silently gliding across the sky. The object displayed various colored lights and moved at an unusual slow space pace, excuse me, before disappearing from sight. 
Mm, interesting. So that's actually two uh, span of about 15 years apart for the Lake Susquehanna incident. Yeah, and I like that uh, in these areas, it seems to be multiple witnesses. It's not just like one yeah, guy. Yeah. Besides Phil Schneider. Yeah, for, you know. uh, I feel like there's probably other people that could corroborate Phil Schneider's story. Oh, yeah, but they're afraid to. But they're afraid to. Yeah. Yep. So in uh, 2002, a group of campers near Mount Shasta reported witnessing a bright spherical UFO in the night sky. The object was described as moving erratically, changing colors and emitting a pulsating light before vanishing. Hmm. Uh, in 2007, in Weed, California, um, reported seeing a cluster of red and orange lights hovering in the sky. Witnesses claimed the lights in, uh, formed geometric patterns and moved in unison before slowly fading away. See, the, these are all the like these are all the kind of cases that, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody could come up with like a. A podcast where all they do is read amazing UFO cases. Right. I'm pretty sure it's it's out there. Isn't that what Ryan Sprague does? I don't know. But anyways, you heard it here, folks. Um, <clears throat> so don't listen to his podcast. Listen to ours. It's better. Nah, come on. We love nah, Ryan. We love Ryan. Ryan <laughs> is an awesome dude. Uh, Ryan, we, we have two people. He has one. You know, it's just... Anyways, <laughs> abduction cases. Enrique Villanueva. Okay. Enrique Villanueva. I can't even say it fast. I'm just going to try to say it slow. Claimed to have been abducted by extraterrestrial beings in Mount Shasta in 1977. He described being taken aboard a spacecraft where he encountered humanoid aliens who communicated telepathically with him. Hmm. Um, Claude Henning, Hennig, Hennig reported an abduction experience uh, in 1978 near Mount Shasta, claimed to have been taken aboard a UFO and subjected to medical examinations and interactions with humanoid beings. Um, <clears throat> so this next one is not directly associated with Mount, Sas Mount Shasta, uh, but this is in Allagash, Oregon, which is close. And that is Debbie Jordan Cobble's abduction. Um, along with her free three friends, she claimed to have been abducted and subjected to a series of experiments and examinations by extraterrestrials. I think we covered this. Yeah, I was about to say, don't we know that? Very, er very early but on. I thought that was something different. Oh, yeah. I, thought I thought that was dudes uh, on a boat. No, I think you're thinking of another A place. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, know. I'm pretty sure we've covered Allagash. Yeah. So anyways, um, if we haven't, we'll we'll do it next year. So yeah, Allagash um, abductions. This was in Allagash, Maine. Okay. It was four friends who were in the wilderness and they were on a boat. Uh, they were fishing on a boat yep. when a light came down. I do remember yep, that. They, the, shi they shined a flashlight at it. Uh -huh. I remember us talking about saying, if you saw this, why would you shine a flashlight at it? But and then they were abducted. Yep. So yep. <laughs> if you see a bright light and you're on a boat on a lake all by yourself, maybe don't signal the light. Yeah, know? go away. <laughs> um, 
So the Sky Sampson case, uh, alleged, alleged abduction near Mount Shasta in 1994, she claimed to have been taken aboard a UFO and encountered tall, gray-skinned beings who formed medical examinations on her. Performed. Um, let's see here. So Suzanne, Suzanne Hansen was a New Zealand UFO researcher and documented the abduction experiences of a woman named Allison. I don't think that was her real name. Allison claimed to have been abducted near Mount Shasta in the late 1980s and early 1990s, describing encounters with Nordic-looking extraterrestrial beings. Interesting. Um, and then the last little one that I've got here is uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed, who hired highly controversial abduction experience in 1996. He claimed to have encountered an extraterrestrial entity in the forest and later found himself in possession of a preserved alien body. Interesting. Very much so. Yeah, that would be cool to find. <laughs> yeah. <You> know, imagine <laughs> if like Travis Walton, right? He comes to sitting mm -hmm. on, on, the, on the highway somewhere. Like he rolls over and it's just an alien body just like yeah he'd be like I, I didn't do it i didn't do it i didn't it i didn't do it twasn't me all right um so getting into a little bit of the uh occult type stuff that happens around the mount shasta area so we've already talked about the lumerian teachings and a lot of the stuff that's kind of associated with that there's a lot of new age retreats and gatherings that take place um, you know, events involving workshops, meditation practices, rituals, that sort of thing. Um, the uh, Mount Shasta area has attracted various occults and esoteric groups over the years. These include organizations practicing alternative spirituality, such as the Ru Rosicrucian Fellowship, mm -hmm. uh, the Summit Lighthouse. Their teachings and rituals incorporate elements of esoteric knowledge, mysticism, and metaphysics. The I Am activity is a religious movement founded in the in the early 1930s gained popularity in the Mount Shasta region. Adherents believed in the presence of divine energies and claimed to communicate with ascended masters, including St. Germain. The movement promoted spiritual transformation and self-realization. Um, crystal energy healing practices. There are many shops and things around the area where you could do uh, all of that fun stuff. Um, Earth magic and elemental elemental encounters. Some individuals who visit Mount Shasta and its surrounding areas report encounters with nature spirits, elemental beings, and earth energies. These experiences are often associated with the belief that the mountain holds a special connection to the natural world. Mm. Um, so there have been various spiritual groups that have gone out there to do ceremonies and rituals. Uh, there's a lot of people go to Mount Shasta to do channeling activities, uh, experience psychic phenomena, uh, such as insights and visions while in the vicinity of the mountain. Um, and then lastly, um, just the, again, the Native American mythology, myth, mythology and legends, including stories of supernatural beings and sacred sites. Wow. So that is all that I have, if that wasn't enough, for Mount Shasta. <clears throat> it sounds even more now like an intriguing place that I definitely mm -hmm. have to visit. Uh, it's only a 13-hour drive for me, so I'll have only. to make that drive, you know, sometime. <laughs> um, not by myself. I would be better with a person. But a um, person I know would be beneficial or, or, you know, best case. But somebody I don't know, I guess, would be okay, too. 
<laughs> you so, can pick up the hitchhiker. I can pick up the hitchhiker along 97. So there yeah. you go. Um, but no, but just it's a it's a fascinating place, full of such, um, you know, <clears throat> kind of. I'm I'm a, I'm a little conflicted because, on the one hand, um, a lot of the experiences that people have there, from a scientific perspective, you could say, well, it's a it's a volcano. It's probably emitting a lot of like you know toxic gas from various vents. Maybe the people are just getting high and hallucinating, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's a possibility. But the things that are happening, you know, around the surrounding area, as well as, I mean, it's it's a it's a park. Like I feel like somebody would say, "Hey, uh, you know, instead of ozone action day, it's a toxic gas action day, right? You know, don't go outside right. today because." the volcano was putting off more than usual toxic gas. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. So from that regard, because I would think that most people would act in the, in the realm of public safety and warn people about toxic gas and those types of things that the experiences that people are having, uh, maybe, maybe are true and they're, and they're really having those experiences and that place really does hold some sort of a, a mythical, mystical connection uh, to something that we have long forgotten. Yeah, I mean, and not to sound hokey, but I mean, Mount Shasta is literally the epitome of a convergence enigma. Mm-hmm. Why is there so much happenings there from spiritual to metaphysical right. to paranormal to, uh, you know, to it all? Right. Well, and we like we talked about the superstition mountains, right? So you could say, well, it's the age of the mountain. Well, those are really old, but Mount Shasta is relatively young. Yeah. Um. So... You know, yeah, that's that's where it, it gets interesting for me is when you start to look at places like Superstition and Mount Shasta and you try to compare them in some way, there's, I mean, other than they're both a mountain, that's the only thing that you really, that, that holds true across comparison. So it's really hard to then sit down and say, well, you know, it both of these places take all of these boxes, so we should go look in places that take all those boxes because, again, other than they're mountains, there's not really a lot of commonality between the two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you know, if uh, any of our listeners or watchers out there have had any experiences at Mount Shasta, please leave a comment below on YouTube uh, or, uh, you know, send us an email contact at the convergence enigma.com. We'd love to hear your stories uh, just to kind of verify that it's not just stuff in the news that everyday people are experiencing things as well. Yep. So, so very cool. Yep. Uh, well, I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for putting all this together, man. Uh, hopefully one day we can go out to Mount Shasta. I'd love to be able to go out there with you if I could. Um, maybe even bring Santosh. And speaking of Santosh, I want to remind everybody uh, before we go to check out our other show that is on YouTube as well as Spotify and Apple, which is Astral Stew uh, that involves the two of us and Santosh. Uh, you can find that on uh, our YouTube page, Another Realm Media. Um, or just search Astral Stew into Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can find that there. Uh, we talk about all sorts of metaphysical, crazy, spiritual sorts of stuff, it's, and it's, yeah. a, it's a hoot. It's a hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a stew is. It is. It is. That's why it's called Astral Stew. And Josh, um, I know your show, uh, Etheric Transmission, is going to be changing gears if you wanted to quickly talk about that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm still going to be doing occasionally some... Uh, kind of channeled messages that come through uh, on the podcast, but I'm also going to be talking with people who have uh, experiences. And I really want to kind of explore 
not just the experience that they're having, but what it means to them. Like that's, that's the thing that I think all of us have in common that who have had experiences is it affects us in some way. And mm -hmm. so that's what I really want to explore. What is it? What's the human side of the UFO phenomena? Right. Exactly. So, so I'm very interested in seeing what you got involved. Etheric transmissions with an A. Uh, you want to definitely check that out. Uh, other than that, anything else before we go, Josh? Yeah. So one last thing, if you go out to theconvergenceenigma.com slash store, mm -hmm. it takes you to our uh, T public store we have a lot of great shirts on there including a couple by uh or that feature the likeness of shane hurd of our good uh, buddy shane hurd of Eric, you know phoenix <laughs> mufon um but there's a lot of other great shirts with sasquatch and krampus and all kinds of stuff so and our buddy in the uk john matthews has verified we do ship internationally so well at least he's gotten UK. he's gotten some shirts so, <laughs> so hey that's go. international man yeah that's true um and then, yeah, we've got, but all of our designs that are available out there are shirts are also available on pretty much every other product that Public offers. So like mugs and socks and pillows and tapestries or whatever, <laughs> you know, Stickers, every, time hear, magnets. every time I hear tapestries, all I can think of is the Indiana Jones who's like, I'm here to say the tapestries, you know, but, <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, please check out the store yeah absolutely everything that we sell just helps us a little bit more to be able to just keep this thing kind of up and going so i mean the website costs money all that kind of stuff anything anything helps out we really appreciate it so that's right so we're gonna go ahead and get out of here uh but thank you guys so much for tuning in as you usually do to the convergence enigma with josh and stefan uh we are out of here this has been stefan just a reminder to keep your eyes on the skies and this has been josh the truth is now and remember, folks, keep questioning. Never stop questioning and never stop searching. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>